Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. One, two, one, two. We are back. Guard your grill boxing. We got some fights to discuss that transpired over the weekend. We got some fights on ESPN once again with this top rank and ESPN Venture, now featuring uh, what many consider a top pound-for-pound fighter, and we're going to be discussing that further. We actually have a special guest joining us tonight. He'll be on shortly. Uh, my man R.O.D. is going to be joining us shortly as well as, uh, I believe, Coltrane. But, you know, it's the summertime, man. Um, you know, obviously the, the the fight we're going to be, you know, kind of uh, digging into is, you know, the recap of uh, Adrian Broner, Mikey Garcia, which was really the uh, top – it was really at the top of the mountain when when you talk about big summer fights because the summertime usually slows down and, and, you know, we look forward to the fall, which, you know, in, in the last several years, the, 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 the months of September and November and maybe December have been peak months for big fights. So the summertime, we've never really looked into like uh, getting high level fights. And, you know, that's really what Mikey Garcia and Adrian Bonner was is really when you talk about intrigue and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the outcome of that fight, but with something I wanted to touch on real quick, man, uh, you know, I, we talked about it in previous episodes as it, as it relates to uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, and, and really, really the whole heavyweight division. And there's been talks, like I've, I've been mentioning, you know, on the Facebook page and, and, you know, we've been talking about on the Instagram page, uh, this proposed fight that we're hearing with Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz, man. And, you know, one of the sticking points that's uh, kind of at the forefront, at, at least at the moment, is uh, Bermain Stavern apparently having a number one mandatory position that he doesn't want to give up, is threatening uh, to take legal action. And, you know, and in most cases, like, you know, you'd hear over, you know, th- you know, throughout boxing and then when fighters take, you know, quote-unquote step-aside money to fight other guys and, you know, with the promise of, you know, having a, a championship fight later, you know, or at a later date or next. And what remains to learn, that's actually the fight that Deontay Wilder <laughs> had already to get the WBC heavyweight title, which at the time was vacant. And this was already some time ago, man. I mean, I, I, I want to say maybe three three years maybe already. We're, we're getting close to that. But I, I, I think uh, – a fight with Luis Ortiz, man. I mean, that. I mean, if they could really get that situated, I think the WBC is trying to figure something out because I think they they see 
the general public does not want to see a, a, a wilder Stavern rematch. Uh, Luis Ortiz has kind of been that dark horse in the heavyweight division. And, and again, like a lot of these Cuban fighters that start as a professional late, you know, he's already like 38 years old. So, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time per se to get an opportunity like he would fighting Deontay Wilder. And look, if they do go about setting this up, I mean, I got to give Wilder credit because Luis Ortiz is a dangerous fight in, in the sense of you're looking at a future Anthony Joshua fight, which commercially will, would make for a bigger fight. But this is the thing that we're missing in boxing, really, man, is these fighters taking these type of risks against certain fighters that really at the same time are going to prove – uh, the overall worth of that fighter with the strap, you know, because in this day and age, man, like everybody's grabbing titles, but, you know, for Wilder to take this this level of a fight, because Luis Ortiz stylistically, man, is a dangerous fight for him. I think for the boxing public, I mean, I think they would definitely tune in to that fight. I think that's a fight you definitely put on network TV. And for this, just because they're, you, number one, you have an American heavyweight champion. And the fact that they are heavyweights and the way these guys fight, though Ortiz is more of a, of a boxer, I mean, he can punch. And Deontay Wilder, you know, whether you like the guy's style or not, or whether you, you know, you, you think, you know, you, you critique his, uh, his technique, he, he has power. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that that's, goes without saying, man. So we're going to hear about, we're going to, you know, if if that fight is going to go down and, you know, we'll we'll kind of keep you posted. But an interesting picture I saw today, man. Uh, you know, Miguel Cotto's training, you know, for this comic guy fight, uh, which is on the same, the same day as the circus, uh, August 26th uh, at the StubHub Center. And I couldn't help but notice the shiner that he was rocking. I mean, blatantly. Uh, I think I want to say under his left eye. Um, you know, it was on it was on Instagram today, and 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 I, I kind of noticed. That. I was like, well, damn, you know, uh, I'm wondering who he's sparring in there. But you know, it seems as if he's getting some good sparring uh, for this fight. And you know, it is kind of you know we're already beginning of August, man. So like you know, we're already like about three and a half weeks away from that fight, and that whole night. <laughs> I mean, if you will, man, uh, you know, because we haven't talked about the obvious, you know, elephant in the room. You know, because we mentioned it when we when when it first got started, but I mean, it's uh, you've seen it for yourself as, <laughs> as it relates to the to to the circus show that's taking place the same day, man. But you know, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll, we'll talk briefly about it, but you know, the week before, um, you know that that transpires. But you know, like I said, man, this is the summertime, man, and. You know, this is when fights start to, uh, you know, wind down a little bit, or at least, you know, we get a little bit of a break. But we do got some fights coming up, man. Um, Mauricio Herrera is actually fighting Jesus Sotokaras uh, in a couple of days, uh, August 4th. And, you know, that's going to be on ESPN. Uh, well, yeah, well, just regular ESPN. That is a Golden Boy card. And then we're going to get Clarissa uh, uh, Shields fighting for the WBC and vacant IBF super middleweight title. This is her first, uh, her first shot at a, at a world title against Nikki, uh, Nikki Adler. 
That's going to be on Showtime. So that is, uh, I believe, this Friday, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Friday it is, man. And then, you know, we're, we, you know, we're obviously going to talk about uh, this weekend, like I was mentioning, ESPN is back with their top rank partnership, putting on uh, fights with guys that, you know, we would mo- mostly see on HBO, but we're getting uh, Vasily Lomachenko this weekend against Miguel Mariaga for the WBO junior lightweight title. Who, who do we got on one? Yo, yo. R.O.D., R.O.D., what's poppin', man? What's, what's good, D? What's good, what's good? Wow, man, we're, uh, you know, obviously we got a special, you know, a special guest coming on in a few minutes, you know, we're just uh, waiting for him, but um, what, I wanted to get your opinion on, um, I mean, we had kind of talked about it anyway, as it relates to this whole uh, heavyweight division situation, and now, uh, you know, they're trying to set up this Wilder Ortiz fight, but Stavern's kind of getting in the way, and, uh, you know, the WBC is trying to situate all that. I mean, I mean, do you think this really, I mean, do you, do you give, or I should say, because, I mean, I, I was, you know, I, I was kind of giving credit to Wilder. I mean, for him taking a fight of that magnitude before an Anthony Joshua fight. I mean, are you talking about from a standpoint of, are you talking about from a standpoint of, of him just taking the fight in general? With who? Uh, with Tony? Um... Well, no, he's fighting or, like, the, the, apparently, like, they're trying to set up the Luis Ortiz fight. Yeah, because I thought I thought that you had sent a text earlier today. We had talked about Luis Ortiz last week. I thought you were saying that he was going to fight, uh, you know, our buddy Tony. Yeah, there were some uh, people, like, they were saying Bellew was, yeah, but it was, like, apparently, like, a false report or right, he had turned it, down yeah. to fight. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, he should fight, you know, he should fight Ortiz. And to be honest, Joshua should be fighting him, you know. And, I mean, I know Stavern is going to be in the way, but, like, again, why do we need to see that again? I mean, Stavern has kind of right. been in a crazy situation because, you know, that whole circle with him, you know, with, uh, I believe he tested, you know, Povetkin tested positive steroids, then he wound up testing positive for something. So, like, you know, it's just like these – how many chances do these guys get? I mean, I know we got to be, you know, forgiven, but why should Wilder be in the circus with those clowns? You know, he can just go and be part of something else. And um, at this point in time, I give him enough credit for fighting somebody like Luis Ortiz because, you know, he's the boogeyman and everybody's kind of running from him and he's stepping up to him. So, I mean, I don't know if it's going to end well. I don't know if it's going to end well for him, but – you know, you even got Anthony Joshua that's, that's, like, supposed to be this mountain of a man, and, you know, he's not even trying to fight him, you know? So he's fighting Kushko again. It's like, why do we have to see that fight again? You know, yeah. so I, I give Wilder props, and for some reason, I'm, although I like Luis Ortiz, I'm actually rooting for uh, for Wilder because I, I'm like, I like the fact that he stepped up. Right, right. Well, and, that, and that's kind of like what, I, what I've been telling people, at least as it relates to like them going about, if they go about making this fight, you know, because at that point, man, you know, Ortiz is a dangerous fighter, man, you know, stylistically. And, and, and you know, we've seen the, the, the success that these Cuban fighters have, uh, you know, just the whole game, man. And, 
Wilder's never been in there with anybody of that magnitude, man. And then, look, you can make the argument, too, that Ortiz hasn't seen a puncher like Ortiz, or like, like Wilder. So there is that dynamic, man. But, I mean, I think, you know, before we got on the line, man, I was saying, like, that's definitely network TV. Um, you know, a, a fight I definitely would, you know, uh, cancel all plans to watch on, on regular TV, man. But, um, you know, before, before our guest gets on, man, I wanted to, obviously, you know, we're going to be covering the recap and the, the fights over the weekend, but, you know, obviously before we get to the, the main one, uh, Jamal Charlo, man, uh, obviously makes his debut at middleweight against Jorge Sebastian Halen. <laughs> we were we were going back and forth, and, and it was funny because you, when I had noticed it, you had hit like you had you know in the chats like you were like yo man, what's good with his leg man with his leg I'm like yo so, you, so it ain't me man like I'm not noticing it's not something like I'm just you know noticing or. What have you? But apparently there's some issue with with Halen's leg. But uh, I mean beyond that, man, Char Charlo's gonna be a problem at middleweight, man. He, and he's yeah, a, I mean, again we we we've expressed this, but he's a big dude, man. This and that's what I was saying. Like you know when we noticed this when he fought J Rock. I mean obviously when you look at Trout, you look how big Trout is. Like you're like okay because him and Trout look to be the same size when they fought. And, um, you know, we were just like, I guess it didn't really make a difference. But when I saw him against J-Rock, I'm like, oh, crap, man. This guy looks like he should be playing, like, wide receiver in Michigan State somewhere. And, um, you know, when you combine that and you look at how he was saying, listen, I can't make this anymore. And obviously he's 6'1". Even when you looked at him in middleweight, man, he looked pretty darn opposing, man. And, um. He's a force to be reckoned with, man. Them, them guys, them twins are no joke, man. They are not to be played with. Um, you know, obviously, the, the consensus is that one is better than the other. That's fine. But I think they're the same, you know, they're the same type of beast, but just kind of different animals. Um, they're both they're both killers, man. And um, I liked what I saw from them. I mean, obviously, that fight just seems so weird because, I was just sitting there like, yo, it, remember how Yuri Foreman for Kodo when his leg was giving out like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just so weird because, he, or even like um, Sergio Martinez, he for Kodo, another person, had the and one shorts. Yeah, me, yeah, he and, had the bad knees going in. Yeah, and it was just like, I don't know, man, like, you know, I wonder at what point in time is it too late to cancel a fight because apparently this guy, you know, I was, and I'm rooting for the twins, but apparently this guy was not equipped to fight uh, prior. So you wonder, like, you know, do you just go and take the money and take the L, you know, or you just kind of, you know, do you go out and your shield that way, or do you say, hey, listen, I'm not really 100%. Um, you know, find me the money because obviously it's going to be to my detriment if, if I step in that ring. Because he yeah. let me tell you something, man. He looked like somebody trying to build a Lego tower, and and he keeps getting knocked over. Like he looked bad, man. He looked bad, man. That thing, that, that his foundation was not sturdy at all, man. I, I was sitting there like, I was sitting there with Train looking at the fight, with Train asleep. I'm like, yo, man, he take some shots in the back before, like, you know, was he drinking? Like, what's going on? But 
apparent, again, there was definitely some wrong with his leg. And it's funny because the ref, if you look at it, he never, or the doctor, he never really wanted to examine his leg at first. He was examining him. I'm like, look at his leg. Like, his, his leg is the problem. It looks like, you know, he had, like, carpet under him. Somebody, like, like a rug or somebody was pulling it. But, uh, <laughs> but it's funny, man. We make jokes, but it's funny because, you know, Jim Gray tried to slight him. The old uh, Jamal yeah. Charlo and say, hey, listen, you know, the first thing he said was, he didn't say congratulations. Some people may say, so automatically he puts him on the defensive, you know. And, um, you know, it was just a bad way to have a fight like that come on, like, you know, where you have, uh, um, you know, you make your you make your debut, you're kind of being that number one contender, and obviously, you know, this gives people like my brother, you know, ammunition to say, oh, man, well, who is he? Like, he hasn't fought anybody. What did he do this fight? This guy was half, you know, half crippled. So, like, it gives, like, the naysayers who don't really want him to fight, you know, uh, a Triple G or a Canelo, it gives them kind of, like, a way out because, like, oh, the last person he fought, he didn't fight anybody in the middle way. He needs to fight somebody else. Credible. So, like, it, that's what it does. It kind of delays kind of, like, the inevitable in our minds. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 know, uh, I know exactly what you mean as it relates to uh... – Charlo, who, who who do we got on the line? Hello. Hello. Is it, is this Ivan? Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, well, man. let me let me make the the the, the grand the grand introduction. <laughs> like <laughs> like I we uh we uh yeah, when I you know we uh started the show man, so we have a, a special guest today, and uh you know obviously uh. Most of the crew here is uh, outside of myself. We're from Philly, you know. So this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, a whole a hometown thing. Really, well, again, outside of me, but uh, special guest, man, former NABF lightweight champion of the world, Philly's own Ivan Mighty Robinson, man. Welcome to the show. Ah, uh, thank you, fellas. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome, welcome, so, man. Welcome. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, uh, you know, again, like, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, you know, we, uh, obviously talking uh, a lot of boxing, man, but, you know, we want to, we want to get your opinions on, uh, certain topics later on, but obviously, uh, you know, you, um, uh, you know, de- decorated professional and, um, you know, you know, for a lot of the fans that we have on the show, you know, we have, um, what we're considering ourselves now when like, we're coming you know, myself and the crew becoming the OGs now as far as like how far we go back. But for the younger audience that we have, man, um, you know, I guess give, give us a a quick background on um, Ivan Robinson. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that's crazy. Where you want me to start at? I mean, uh, I was a top amateur. I was a 92 uh, Olympian hopeful. I lost in, in uh box office and trials to Julian Willen, which everybody knew that I should have been that, that 125 member of that USA Olympic team, and it would have been two gold medals instead of one. Um, I turned pro in 92. You know, I had a, a stellar career. Um, great professional, uh, good boxer, great hands, could box real well. Wasn't a big puncher, but I think the world knows me for my um, – 
uh, terrific fights with Arturo Gotti, too. Yeah. Performs uh, Arturo, rest in peace. He was a true warrior and um, a true gentleman as well as a champion and a human being, you know. And each and every day that um, I'm here on this earth, you know, I praise God that um, he made that fight happen because uh, Arturo didn't have to take that fight. You know, Arturo was just a type of kid that he felt as though anybody you put in front of him, he had a puncher's chance, which he did. But um, that night, he never had a puncher's chance with me. Um, I was just always the better boxer, the better skills, the better movement, you know, and I prevailed both fights, and that's what just put me over the threshold, you know. Then I had uh, a great uh, career after that. I fought Angel Man Freddie, even though I lost to him. I fought Vivian Harris. I fought Jesse James Leha. I fought the uh, well-renowned uh, Hall of Famer Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, yeah. I just my my career is just stellar, and um, you know, I'm glad to be able to talk to you, gentlemen, on the talk show because you know we don't have a lot of true pioneers who can actually sit and talk to you guys about the sweet science of boxing and just boxing period, or just about life. Or what's going on in the world today? So you know, I'm really honored and humbled that you guys have me on your show tonight. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Um, R.D., did you uh, did you want to ask some questions? No, yeah. So it was funny because the way so my dad who grew up in South Philly, um, and I grew up there too. One of the things that he talked about was I'll never forget when you beat Arturo Gotti. Everybody in my block went crazy. And they just they were just like, Oh my goodness, you know, I was Robinson B. Arturo Gotti, Arturo Gotti. And, you know, there was the naysayers, they're like, Oh man, that was luck and then they tuned in and you did it again and like and the whole block went crazy. I'll never forget that. And you know, it was just one of those things where you kinda of put Philly on a map because that was a point in time, man, where like I mean to be honest, like in ninety two, like around that like if you think about it, around that time like, when you came out, it was like, Philly boxing was cool, but it wasn't really, like, no one was really making a name for it at that time, if you think about it. Like, you you at one point in time had, like, the hottest name in the city. Yeah, and, you know, um, and, and that's crazy that you say that because, um, God forbid, and thank, thank a lot that my dad is still living. You know, my dad tell me stories all the time, you know, and not getting off the subject, but if you if you guys have your parents, your mom and your dad, treasure them till the day that they're not here no longer because once they're gone, you never yeah. get it back. I mean, memories are great, but it's different from having them there. Like me and my dad, you know, we, we had our little issues coming through the uh, professional ranks, you know, and I, and I still say to this day that, me being a high head, me being in a position, the kid coming from Philly, you guys know how it is in Philly. You know, you make it on top of that platform is all love, you know, and I got that. And it kind of like just took me to a different level, you know, because I fired my dad right before my, my title fight with um, Philip Holiday. And I still say to this day, if I never fired my dad, I would probably be undefeated right now. Y'all probably be talking about me, you know, probably fighting Mayweather or my name will be somewhere in the mix. That's just how great that I think that my dad is as a trainer. I mean, he took me to 21-0, and 0 and then it's like after I fired him, I, I had a roller coaster stellar career. You know, I lost two. Well, I lost my, my championship, came back, still had the USBA title, 
was crazy. Never kept my head on right. Then I fought Israel Cardona, lost that title. You know, then I got another couple wins. And then, you know, the grace of God, I was supposed to fight Shane Mosley. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the fight fell through because I had a cut. You know, so the Shane Mosley fight didn't go through. But God forbid, if I would have fought Shane Mosley, I would have beat Shane Mosley that night. I probably would have beat him worse than I beat Arturo Gotti. But, you know, God was looking out, and he gave me the Arturo Gotti fight. And, you know, I made twice as much money as I did for the Shane Mosley fight than I did. I mean, I made more with the Gotti fight than I did the Shane Mosley fight. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and it's about you being in the right place at the right time. So, you know, it was just crazy, like you said. At that time, I probably was in Philly, the hottest kid in in the city at the time because, I mean, Bernard was out, you know, and I I knew Bernard. I trained up under Bernard a lot, but I was the kid that everybody knew. And back then in Philly, I was called Mighty Mouse, and everybody just wanted to know who I was exactly, yep. You know, and Mm -hmm. um, it was just crazy how, you know, things turn around. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just happy and, and and. Blessed that, like I said, I could be able to talk to you guys. I could share my knowledge with the with the audience and some of the boxers, and you know, hopefully, you know, they take heed to the things that I'm saying, and you know, can make things better. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. God forbid that. I definitely don't think I'm better than anybody else. But you know, there are certain things that I am better in, and it's with the boxing, I can help. Yeah, and that's the thing about it because. A lot of these guys, I mean, and I know that um, um, Roberto's going to get on it, but a lot of these guys nowadays, you know, you and I had talked, and um, they just think that, you know, boxing is just all about, like, you know, muscles and who hits the hardest. But, like, when I tell people, like, if you want to look at, like, like sweet science, like, like a lot of them Philly boxers, like, that Philly shell, man, like, people talk about Michigan, that Philly shell, man, are, we had a lot of slick boxers, man. A lot of people that could really rumble growing up throughout the city. I mean, obviously you had George, you know, Joe Frazier, who was more or less like a, like a brawler, more or less. But like, you like was really gifted in terms of like how you held your hands, man. And um, it, you know, I'm trying to hope that this generation coming up will learn that, man. How, how more or less is a science? Yeah, how it's more of a science, man. This ain't no like, this ain't no lunchroom brawl type thing. This is. More or less like a chess, not checkers type thing, man. And um, exactly. it's funny you had it, man. You had it. And I don't know how to play chess at all. That's what I tell everybody. Boxing is like one. I mean, you know, when you're in the amateurs, you gotta throw a lot of punches, you know, and do this and do that. Like for instance, we got a kid from Philly now that I'm training named Future, Little Future. He's one of the hottest little kids right now. He is a great kid. He boxes. Too well. He boxes as a he looked. He only twelve years old, and he he looks like he's a seasoned pro. That is not going to fly in the amateurs because that's not what they want to see. So he's gifted, you know. So when he gets to that professional level, he's going to have the the whole pot, the whole package. Um, you know, a lot of fighters don't you know exactly come around like that nowadays, and I, I you know I really don't understand what it is. I mean, I, I wish we could. I don't. I'm not the type of person that want to change the world, but nag. I wish we could, you know, find a way that something can be organized, something can be orchestrated to, to make it better. Because it's not happening right now. Everybody ain't looking at boxing as an art or a sport. They're looking at it as a business. Everybody want to be the top dog and make Floyd Mayweather money. Man, Floyd Mayweather been fighting 
since he came out of his mom's womb like me. So he's definitely an experienced vet, and he knows how to go about it. Plus, on top of it, he has a great business mind. You know, a lot of people don't have that. You know, it's just it's just crazy. Like, take, for instance, my, my man Andrew and Broner. I don't know what the heck is wrong with Broner. Broner has so much talent, but he does not use it. He does not use his talent. What can we say about that? Who knows? What's funny, you know, you, you know, I mean, I guess to, to segue into that, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you still obviously follow the sport. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously, you know, with the fight we had over the weekend with Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia, I mean, this is a fight that amongst us, we, it, it was in, going in, it was intriguing because, you know, there's just question marks going in. But, I mean, I mean, well, let me get your take as far as, I mean, I'm assuming you saw the fight. Um, yes, I did. As far as far as uh, like, would you, you know, because we've had this debate as as to whether it was just, you know, there's people saying, you know, Broner might have overtrained or, or, or you know, well, you can't stuff, overtrain. Like, you can't overtrain. You you definitely can't overtrain. But I think just as well as anything, your body is like a car. Is what you feed it. What it, right. what it what it what you put in your body, how you put things in your body, and, and what it reacts to your body as far as the food. He could have peaked. He could have peaked, and I'm thinking by him seeing him the way he the way he uh, looked, and in fact he looked great. That's the best I've probably seen Brown in a long time. He could have mm-hmm. peaked early, but see, this is where you gotta get experience. You have to have experienced trainers to know your fighter. If you don't know your fighter then you really don't know him at all. You don't really know. I'm not going to say you don't know the game because you do know the game. But you just want to know your fighter. That's just like when we was coming up, us three, when we was coming up, we was sitting in the class back then. We were sitting in the class with like 30 kids in the class. That teacher that we had, she knew each and every one of the kids, what his faults was, how good he was in math, how bad he was in math, what he didn't do, how he didn't do his homework, why he didn't do his homework, and the things that he did wrong. Trainers should know. If you're running too much, cut down on your running. If you're doing too many rounds in the gym, cut down your rounds on the gym. If you're working too hard, you're putting too much time in the gym, you're overdoing it, cut it in half. That's how you, I mean, that's how, that's a true trainer. That's how a trainer is. Like Philly, we look, we lost all our great trainers. Bowie Fisher, um, uh, uh, Mil Mil Belly, you know we lost mm-hmm. all these guys. You know these were the trainers of the days that took guys like me, Bernard Hopkins, uh, Jesse Ferguson, Tim Witherspoon. All these guys, they were able to take us to the next level because they knew exactly what it was to get us there. And exactly nowadays, they took their time to train us fighters. These trainers nowadays, they don't take time to train any fighters. They think doing six minutes, six rounds on the mitts throwing nothing but slick punches and pulling back and that that's not the fundamentals of boxing. You know, and we that's, getting away from it. But that's what um Roberto was saying that a lot of the times and you just and you just said something that was very good when you talk about two things you said. Number one, when you talk about overtraining, you know, a lot of people thought that Broner is what was in what we call fat camp. Like basically he walks around like Larry, right, let's go back. Back well, he in the said 90s, he was 175 was, going into camp. All right, so back in your day, yeah, yeah. So hold on, let me, let, me, let me finish telling you. So well, back in your days, champ, 
when you were working out, like I would see you walking, you always stayed in shape. So yeah, really, my dad, about you. my dad didn't play that. My dad didn't play. Two things my dad didn't play. My dad didn't play not running. Well, I'm going to say three things. He played not running because he said that was my best attribute was me running. Because if I ran, I was able to do whatever I wanted to do with my legs. My legs worked for me. All I had to do was talk. My mind controlled my legs, and my legs worked. So running was was number one that was important. Number two, my dad didn't allow me to be seven pounds overweight. If I was seven pounds overweight, I can't even remember what he did to me because I think he only had to do it to me once. And we didn't do a whole lot of sparring in 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 uh in the in the gym. And what he did, he, he sparred. My dad was just I don't know. He was just a technician. If I fought at thirty five. I sparred uh, a 130, maybe, maybe, maybe a 125, and the highest I went was 47. That was it. You got guys fighting 35 sparring 165 pounder for what? What you sparring 165 pounder for? It's bad enough you're gonna get no, no, sorry about it, no disrespect. But you, why are you sparring a 165 when you fighting at 135? You're already gonna take a beating in the fight, your actual fight. Why you fighting the guy your weight, and you want to spar a guy 165 and take that beating maybe uh, two and a half weeks, three weeks before your fight? Nah, that's not good at all. Why you want to take a beat before you fight? It's bad enough your body. You got to put your body through the hard labor and getting yourself ready to uh, get ready for your fight. Now, Brona, why would Brona come into camp at 175 fighting at 135? That's crazy. That's my point. And that's my point. Like a lot of these oh, he guys, could've, are yeah, not he could have right. been. He could have been overworked. He could have been. Yep. He could have definitely been drained. Well, yep. he was one. Big. He was one forty four. Like what? Like the week before. But the argument I was making was like, all right, he's one forty four, and he got to make one forty. Like he might be going a week with like not even eating. You yeah, know, for crazy. him to make that weight, and he came in at one thirty eight. Which, to his credit, it's like that's the lowest I think he's ever he's been since he left lightweight. But crazy, yeah. But what I was saying too, what what I was saying too, what you said, like again, that discipline that you had, the discipline that Bernard had, um, you know, to stay in shape even when you don't have a fight. Like the discipline that Floyd has. See, everybody want to be like Floyd. They watch the Instagram stuff, but the one thing they don't see is how he don't drink at the club. He lead a club and jog. Like you said, he'll jog those three miles in the morning or four miles in the morning go straight to straight to working out. They see the other stuff. And I think Broner kind of got caught up in that, which is why a lot of people say he was overtrained. He came in. There was some reports that he was 185. Now, I said, you know, 175, 185, okay, same, like, 10-pound difference. But like you said, champ, to be 175 and to have to lose that weight to uh, go to a weight class you haven't been in in a while, you could go in that fight overwork. You could go in there yeah, drain like guys a, don't. Guys don't understand. I remember when I fought uh, Israel Cardona. That was the first time I ever did it, and I said I wouldn't do it no more. I had just fought Philip Holiday and lost to Philip Holiday. I was mad, pissed off, because that was my first championship fight, and I should have had more, but I didn't. After the uh, Philip Holiday fight, uh, I was married. Me and my wife and my son and my daughter went away, stayed away for like maybe three weeks, came back and had a fight on the table. I was already about 15 pounds overweight. Now, one thing for sure, two things for certain, you can always, for some reason, it never felt, if you're 15 pounds overweight, 
You got to get down 15 pounds. You can always cut it. It's gonna you're gonna drain yourself cutting. Trust me, you're gonna drain yourself getting that weight down. But it's always that one or two pounds is always the hardest to get off. Always. You do everything. You go to the bathroom, you try to pee, you try to take a dump, you try not to eat, you try to stay in the sauna. For some reason <laughs> that pound to a pound and a half is always the worst to get off. Always. And now I I I'm hearing which I think is right. I'm hearing that now you got to make weight the night before the fight. I mean the day of the fight, not the night before the fight, because they're saying guys are rehydrating too much. And I think that was one thing that was, uh, that was, Gaddy was, was known for that. Like, Gaddy would, re, I don't know what he would do, but he would kill himself in camp. Then the day before the, or the night before the fight or whatever, he would try to rehydrate. And he would rehydrate himself back to, if he's fighting 35, Gaddy would probably rehydrate himself to like 147, 154. And you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, damn, how this guy put on 18, 20 pounds just within 24 hours? Man, because he was dead. He drunk all the juice he could. He ate all the food he can. And it might have made him fat, but he had a little punching power. And you know Gaddy could always punch, so it, it was never... There was never no question about that. But I just didn't understand how guys killed themselves. I just don't do it. I know I couldn't do it. I think I'd done it twice, and I was like, man, that was it. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Uh, I got to move up. And then that was the bad thing. I moved up because I didn't want to make the weight, and I was fighting in a weight class that I shouldn't afford in. Which weight class you thought you should afford in? I should have stayed at 35. I, I, shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been greedy. I got greedy, started making money, and then looked at it like, well, this guy ain't bad. I can beat him. I got good skills. But at the same time, just not knowing that the extra weight I'm putting on, you know, it's not it's not healthy because I remember I fought um, Antonio Diaz at uh, 140, and I thought that was a real good, uh, durable fight for me. But the thing was, I was weighing like 137, 138, and they asked me about the fight. It was like a three-week Period, and I took the fight, but not knowing at that time, I, that was around the time of the change of the boxing. I think after I, I lost him, I found out he had came down to, from like 160, and I just couldn't understand how when I was hitting this guy, I wasn't moving him. That was because he came down from 160, then he rehydrated back up to like 154. So when he was hitting me, I'm sitting there saying to myself, I just had four Gaddy like two years ago, and Gaddy could punch, but. This guy was just punching just as hard as Gaddy. I didn't understand it. He was just a whole lot bigger, and he knew how to carry his weight. Oh wow! So you know, it, it, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of pluses in the game. There's a lot of minuses in the games, but you have to be aware of it. You know, you have to be smart, and then on top of it, the fighters have to be smart because you have uh, promoters now putting guys in fights that they really don't need to be in. And then you having guys just picking fights for what reason, for just money purposes, or as they say, just add a name to your to their resume. Uh, I I don't understand it. I don't I don't see that as a uh, as a plus in any fighter corner. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been like the biggest the the biggest thing with this era has been, and you kind of touched on it earlier, as far as the business aspect you know, tying in with trying to be great, you know, and 
a lot of times it's hard for those two worlds to kind of mesh a little bit. But, you know, we see some of these fighters that they'll, uh, you know, let alone, you know, like even, you know, when, when you when, when you were, were on the come up, I mean, these guys are fighting like a lot more often too. <laughs> you know, some of these guys we're seeing now that are not even elite level yet are only like fighting once a year. You know, so how much work can you really get in, you know, fighting once a year? Like, and this is like being in your prime, you know, well, or even I'm, like getting hurt. I, you know, it's crazy because I'm not really, I, I pretty, pretty much like just, I'm not a manager. I'm just pretty much a, a, a trainer. And a lot of the train, a lot of the fighters that I train, they have managers already. So they have managers like, pretty much like, how can I say, uh, taking over their career, feeding their career, um, uh, handpicking their careers, handpicking their fighters. Um, it, it's just, I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, you get some of these great fighters that's just, as they say, padding their records. Um, they're not fighting nobody. Then when they do fight a guy, you see why they have trouble because they their records been padded. They fighting... Uh, Mediocre fighters, has been fighters, you know. I don't understand it. And then these guys, like, I don't really want to say Triple G, and I don't want to say Canelo because I think they're two great fighters. But to some point, they're making so much money to the fact that they're able to fight maybe every four to six months, maybe once a year. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I mean, if you're looking at it on the business side, I don't know exactly what they're doing or how they're doing it. But when we was coming through, I couldn't fight uh, one time a year to save my life. If I wanted to, I better have an in-between job that was going to help me take care of my family regardless right. if I made a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I really don't understand it. I haven't had a fighter in that statue yet, and I'm glad I don't because it doesn't just hurt the fighter. It hurts the trainer, too, because if the trainer is darn near halfway, halfway retired, and he's looking at the fighter to be his his his, uh, his piggyback for his pension. Boy, he 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 lost. He he gonna he gonna go by the wayside real quick. You know. But I just think right now in the world, I think we need more trainers like the Bowie Fishers, the Slim Jim Robinsons. Uh, you know, I I can pretty much I can say a Freddie Roach. I can say a. Um, I really, uh, I like Freddie Roach. I don't think nothing against nobody, but pretty much, if you look at Freddie Roach, Freddie Roach is a great trainer, but Freddie Roach, all his fighters are already made. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, yeah. no disrespect. I'm no better than Freddie Roach. I'm no better than 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 than, than my man Derek James. You know, I think I'm on the same level with them. I just happen, ha- I just not have happened to get that great fighter yet. But trust and believe, when I get that great fighter, I'm going to make some noise too. But my thing is this. The only thing I can say that's different that I love about Derrick James is that my man Derrick James, we was on the same Olympic team together. We was on that 92. Well, he missed the 92, but we we traveled with each other from 89 to 92. So he like my brother. The only thing that's different with Derrick is that Derrick has spent since he was in the amateurs, you know, and he's now world champion. So basically everything Spence is doing right now has come from Derrick James. Derrick James has done it. All right, Pacquiao. Uh, I don't know. I think Freddie Roach had Pacquiao since he was like maybe 
18 or 19, something like that. So I could pretty say okay with Freddie Roach. But look at the other fighters that Freddie Roach has. Some guys are already telemade. So it's really nothing you can see different that he has done. I give him a little bit of Miguel Cotto because he trained. He changed Miguel Cotto. But then again, Miguel Cotto had to, uh, Bob Aaron. Bob Aaron uh, 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 padded uh, Miguel Cotto's record a little bit because the fighters that he fought early in his career, they weren't really too much of a threat because Miguel, Miguel Cotto was a big, big puncher. And, you know, he punched. He always had a puncher's chance. And not too many people he fought could take his left foot. So he was padded. But, you know, now you see the difference with him with somebody else. Uh, that's just plus how Miguel, it is. Well, plus Miguel Cotto is, is good. Uh, and Roberto, and just so you know, Chad, Roberto is a big Miguel Cotto fan, so you might hurt his feelings. But, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings, but you know, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just try to, you know, enlighten people. I like I said before, I don't try to be better than no one. I'm not better than no one. But, you know, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I do know the sport. I I done, I done been in the sport. I done been hit by the sport. Now I'm training the sport. So, you know, I, I pretty much know what I'm talking about if I don't know everything I'm talking about. So what do you like training, like, when you talk about training? Because I know you said you train. Where are you training uh, your fighters out of? And what do you like about training the most, like, versus, like, well, boxing? I know what, I, what I like the most, of course, you know, I'm, 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 in that, I'm in that situation, too. I don't have too many kids that um, I started from scratch. I think I might have two right now that I start from scratch. But a lot of other ones, I guess they just, you know, come to me because of my name and because of who I am. And, you know, that that, that that plays a big part, too. That helps out a lot because at the end of the day, regardless, if you don't have, just as well, just say I'm nobody. If you don't have somebody in your corner that knows a little bit about boxing, you kind of lost, you kind of hurt because you they don't know where to go and you you trying to depend on them to take you and make the right moves. Like I said, make the right chess moves to get where you need to be. With me, I'm you know, I'm only learned from my dad. I learned a little from uh, Bowie Fisher. I looked at uh, Slim Jim Robinson. You know, I mean, yeah, Slim Jim Robinson. Um, you know, Harold Moore. I looked at all these old trainers that y'all might know of from Philly. You know, and I, I'm like them. I don't just take a guy and just train him. My thing is, I'm a, I'm a technician. I look at exactly the foundation. I mean, of course, I'm a boxer. I've always been a boxer. So I'm the type of kid or the type of guy that you want to put me. I don't like to get hit. So before I even think about starting you on learning how to punch and all that, you got to teach me or you got to show me. Do you know how to slip a punch? Do you know how to get away from a punch? If you don't, we got a problem. I don't need you sitting there taking no shot. Talking about, oh, man, I can get hit by a brick and I'm going to still be standing here. No, you're not because you get hit by a brick, you're going to get knocked out. You better know how to slip that brick, roll away from that brick, or catch that brick, homie. Do something. So, you know, I'm just a fundamental dude. You know, I, I, I'm the basics. Step with your jab. You, I got everybody I teach. I, I, I train them for about a month with nothing but a jab. Everybody uh-huh. want to throw a right hand? No, nah, homie. We're going to strictly work on this bag, or we're going to work with these mitts. You're going to show me how to throw everything correctly with this jab. Jab, left hook. Right up because you're going to show me how to step. You know, I'm, I'm a basic type guy. I'm a one, two, three, four type guy. That's how I train. 
Uh-huh. Now, is that something that you see that's missing a lot in the sport today? Oh, heck yeah, like, yeah. When you yeah. look at, like, the younger fighters coming up, yeah. Yes, definitely, because, you know, I like I said, um, I'm no better than nobody else, but I do, uh, you know, I do believe in foundation. You got to have a foundation. It's just like when you buy a house, your house got to have a foundation. Your house got to be sitting on something. You can't just walk uh-huh. in the crib, even if you know how to build it. You can't, you got to know how to build it from a foundation. So your foundation got to be sturdy first. And then from there, you work from there, you put the pieces little by little. I know it take a little time. It might take a whole lot of time, but, hey, a whole lot of time sometimes is what makes it best for you. Like, I think my, I think even though Derrick James got my man Rose Spence from the amateurs, he's doing a great job with Rose Spence. And he, Rose Spence is showing that he's willing to listen, he's willing to learn. I don't think he's high-headed, and that's what we don't have nowadays. These kids are just too high-headed. They're thinking about making a fast dollar. It's like a drug dealer. Drug dealer feels though if he can make a hundred million on one deal, man, he going for that, man. I'm going for that. Forget the forget the fifty thousand, the seventy thousand. I'm going uh-huh. for the straight cool million right now. And he ain't thinking about the consequences. Consequences he make that that million dollar deal, he might get locked up. He might be doing life. He mess around and he might get away doing the seventy thousand dollar deal. Hey, he may come be able to come back the next day and do something bigger. But no, everybody want to jump right in the pot and be a millionaire from day one. Greed kills everybody, man. Who you telling? <laughs> Who you telling? I know that's <laughs> a fact because it killed me a couple times. Man. <laughs> man. You so know, let me ask you a question. Still be living. Let me ask you a question. What do you think, what do you think about, um, sorry, my dog. Uh, what do you think about the, the Charlo brothers, like this weekend, from what you saw from them? Uh, you know, it's crazy because I know y'all both know, uh, coming from Philly, we had Rock and Tiger. Yep. And I couldn't mm. tell the difference between them two guys. And the Charlotte brothers, I can't even tell the difference between them two. <laughs> but, but, um, I'm going to tell you, they both sound, uh, they both sound fighters. Um, like I said, I can't tell the difference. They, they both got quick hands. Um, I, I, maybe you could tell me, but one is I don't know if it's one bigger than I. Well, the one that just fought, ain't that the Jamal. one that just beat? Ain't that the one that just beat my man Julian Williams? Yeah. Yep. Okay. He is the he's the more powerful one. He is yeah. the one that is just like he like a, he like a robber. He don't care. He gonna go in your house. He gonna stick you up. He don't care who there. He gonna kill whoever is a witness <laughs> or whoever he gonna see standing there. He gonna get rid of. Them. That's him. His brother is more of a boxer, um, combination guy. Um, I think he could do a little more with his uh, with his defense. I think his defense can be a little better than what it is. But um, that's something that I think um, Derek James is gonna have to work with. Um, I love Ronnie Shields. Ronnie Shields, is my man. I, me and Ronnie been friends forever. I remember um, Ronnie having Purnell, and I used to spar Purnell a lot. And Ronnie was just amazed with the things that me and Purnell could do together. You used to um, spar Purnell Whitaker? Huh? You used to spar against Purnell? Yeah, I sparred Purnell for, I got Purnell ready for the, uh, that, that what's that Cuban name guy he fought in Atlantic City? He darn it Hurtado. And I got him ready for the Oscar De La Hoya fight that I thought he won. 
He did win the Oscar Dewey Award fight, but I'll leave that and, alone. Well, you know, money talks BS walk. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I had the pleasure of... I had the I had the pleasure of being in camp with Pernell a couple of times, but the Shadow Brothers are something definitely that. to look forward to. What y'all think about them about him fighting um, um, Triple G? See, yeah, like that's we've been talking about that since I think after the Jacobs fight we were talking about, and because it was around the same time when uh, Charlo fought. Um, J-Rock, and that was, he was already saying he was on the middleweight, so we were like, whoa, okay. Yeah, um, see, now, now, I think I like Charlo because you can see, and then sometimes when we we were just talking not too long about that weight thing, see, that yeah. weight thing also shows in your body as a perspective. It, yeah, come on, man, your body talks to you. It tells you what it can do, what it's not yeah. going to do, how it feels. It doesn't matter. Your body talks to you. And I love what Charlo did. His body started telling him, like, look, man, you're killing me making this weight. Uh-huh. It's killing me. Look, I'm going to do this for you one more time. After this, we're going to move up. Or if you decide to stay at this weight again, we're going to have problems. So he talked to his body. He said he's moving up. And he looked, he looked tremendously strong. He looks good. I really think he'll give, uh, I think he'll give Triple G tr- trouble. But um, honestly, I don't think Triple G going to get past Canelo. See that, and that, oh, you know what? Wow. And I'm glad. So here's the thing, Champ. I was going to tell you. Number one, I agree with you about Charlo. I really felt that Charlo would would really give Triple G some some issues. But I, as much as I love and respect you and looked up to you growing up, I, I got to disagree with you on that uh, on that Triple G Canelo. I just think that that fight's going to go like Margarito and Cotto, Man, I just don't. I've never seen. How? Triple G. How do you think that? Let me tell you why. First of all, give me your analysis. What you? What do you? All right, I'm. We gonna end this real quick. I can see this gonna be my quickest knockout ever. Okay. Give me, give me the reason you see Triple G running through Canelo, and I'm gonna give you one hands up. The only reason why I think you see Triple G destroying Canelo is because Canelo cannot move. Canelo don't have no feet. I don't know where the hell he came from, but he don't have no legs. He don't know how to move. He like stuck in quicksand. So I'm giving you that. So now tell me why you think Triple G will beat or demolish Canelo. Well, it's just what you said. Like I, I mean, obviously that. But furthermore, to be honest, he's just a smaller man that has nothing to keep Triple G off of him. I think. In order to be Triple G is what you just said. Philly Fighters, what do we always start off with? A jab. When my dad brought me to Happy Hollow back in the day, you started off with a jab. All right, that was it. Guess what? I don't, and guess what? I think that in order to be Triple G, my dad said, Tom, if you don't have a jab, a jab disrupts power and timing, and you can disrupt speed. So, like, you look at Forrest, what Vernon Forrest did, rest in peace to Shane Mosley, he was a long-range fighter. He had a jab. He disrupted Shane Mosley. Now, check this out. Same thing with Jacobs. Jacobs had a jab. He disrupted Triple G. I don't think Cano is rangy like that. He, he's really small. He doesn't have a jab, and he's stuck in quicksand, so he's going to be right there for Triple G to beat him. Now, look, I'll give you this. Let me out. Hear me out real fast. I told everybody that if Triple G, if Canelo does not knock out Triple G, that he's going to lose the fight because he's in Vegas. So I'll give you that as well. So that's my reason. He is. I don't think that he is 
rangy enough to throw that jab to keep him off of him. I just don't think so. I think he's a better – I think he shows flashes that he's a better boxer. But like you said, his foot, he's stuck in quick. He's stuck in neutral. There's no – man, you can't beat Triple G like that. I don't even like Triple G. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't even like him. Let's, I'm going to keep it a bean with you. I can't stand – I don't like the way he fights. I went Laura, I think Laura dogs Triple G. Um, you know, I think Triple G – I think that he's a a um I think he got punished, man, unfairly by people not wanting to fight him, but on the flip side, I look at what Canelo has done in terms of the people he fought. I mean, come on, Amir Khan, who was a real middleweight that he's fought recently? Amir Khan? Who? I'm just trying to figure out what middleweight he's fought that made him a good middleweight that shows that he could just beat Triple G. And like I said, I, I just don't Besides the fact that he's stuck in quicksand, I don't think Triple G, I don't think Canelo has a great enough jab, and I don't think he's that range of a fighter to keep somebody that's five eleven off of him that hits like. Well, that. this, this, this I, I now, I could be wrong, but this is always this is what always makes conversations better, and makes uh, two two great uh analysts or two great boxers and friends make things great because they have two different two different uh views of the fight. Now, one I think Canelo I think Canelo boxes pretty well. Second of all, one thing about this fight that's going to make this fight a lot better and a lot more entertaining than a lot of people think. For one, Triple G is a little older. I don't want to say a lot older. He's a little older. He's diminished a little bit. His his Skills is kind of gone. Can't take nothing away from Oscar. Oscar has moved uh, Canelo pretty good. One thing for sure, and by me, I'm saying this because I'm in the same position or I'm trying to be in the same position Oscar's in. Oscar is a promoter, but you got to feel and understand that Oscar has been a boxer before. And the thing is, Oscar has a lot of money riding on this. So, there is no reason why Oscar De La Hoya can't put his boxing shoes back on or put his old boxing cap back on and become part of the Canelo team when it comes far as representing him as being a great fighter, which meaning that I'm saying he's gonna make he's gonna help make Canelo's jab better than what it used to be. And Triple G don't know how to excuse my expression. Don't know how to slip a goddamn punch to save his life. I was just telling you that teaching kids defense. You gotta have defense first before anything. I don't care if you got the greatest jab in the world. The greatest jab is not gonna hit you all night long. You're not gonna make that. That jab is not gonna constantly keep smacking you in your face. I don't care if you're a fighter or not. You're gonna slip that jab. Sooner or later, you're going to learn how to slip that jab. Even if he throw the punch and you grab it and walk around with it and hold it. Well, I got a silver there. I got his left hand. Sooner or later, you're going to learn how to slip it. I don't think Triple G slipped a jab a day in his life. So Canelo is going to hit this man with a jab all night long. He's going to be hit constantly with this jab that he's never been hit with in any of his other fights. And then on top of that, they going they right now as we talking and you and, and and they on the on the West Coast and there's a bunch of it's lighter on the on the West Coast. They teach you Canelo how to box. They teach you Canelo how to give angles. 
And one thing we're gonna see Canelo do that he hasn't done. I, he might have done it his last fight or the fight before that. I'm not sure. But we're gonna see Canelo do something different that he hasn't done his whole entire career. Canelo is gonna learn how to throw combinations, and it's not gonna be hard to hit hit Triple G with combinations. Fucking Danny Jacobs hit uh, Triple G with combinations all night. Only if only if Danny Jacobs could have took a great shot and had better defense, he would have lasted longer in that fight. But he couldn't. And I think that's just going to be the difference with Canelo. I think Canelo is younger. He's a lot faster. And he's going to use his head. See, one thing you don't, the guys don't understand, like me, I'm a trainer now, but I'm also still a boxer. So all my guys that I teach or I have teaching or taught, I've always gotten in the ring and not boxed them because I, I don't believe in doing it. But I've gotten in the ring and showed these guys how to use their legs. I showed these guys how to get out the way of shots. I learned. I even taught them some of the old tricks that I have done. So you can trust and believe that Oscar is giving Canelo some of these ideas and some of these things to do. And one thing for sure, two things for certain, I've never seen nobody go to Triple G's body. I think Canelo's going to go to Triple G's body early and it's going to wear him down. I just think he's going to – I don't think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to beat him, but I think he's going to really hurt him. He's really going to hurt uh, Triple J. Mark well, my let words. Me ask, let me ask you this real fast. I know Roberto has a perspective real fast. So when you – okay, so you, you looked at this, and granted, remember I told you, I don't like Triple G. I just don't think Canelo is rangy enough like Danny Jacobs to, to give him – uh, you know those types. He can't give him angles, but what did you think? What did you think? What did you see in that Canelo Margarito fight? I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like, what did you see? Give me your synopsis, like your recap of that Canelo Margarito fight, because I, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it, but I think I got played in my head. Probably was Huh? Cotto, Cotto Margarito, Cotto Margarito, man, because. What I saw oh. is the reason. I'm sorry, Cotto Margarito, because what I saw, and I apologize, was that Cotto was a better boxer, mm-hmm. but he was just in there. He moved pretty good as much as he could. He was just, and I mean, granted, you go. I know you're gonna say champ. Well, he had sheetrock on his hand, but you know, I just really felt like Margarito was just the bigger guy, being six one. Yeah, he and, was. See, that's what I'm saying. There we go again with the with the with the weight and this, that, and other, and so on, so on. Yeah, we looked at Margarita as being, knowing that he's the bigger fighter, so that's what uh, Margarita went into the fight thinking that he could go into the fight as the bigger fighter and it would slow him down. But you also got to understand, too, and, you know, I take this I take this not from saying it will happen, but it probably will because, you know what, it happened to me plenty of times. Um, Mike Tyson said it best. When you get hit, your game plan goes out the window. It goes right out the window. It goes right the one, but then again, I can't say that because, um, because in the Gaddy fight, my plan didn't go out the window. I stuck to my plan. He was but actually, I didn't stick to my plan because the whole camp getting ready for Gaddy, the first one, the whole time for Gaddy, I just kept saying that I was just going to do nothing. But boxing, boxing, boxing. All I was going to do was just hit this man, turn him. Hit this man, turn him. Be slick. But I think we had a press conference like the week before the fight, and he said something about, 
you can't bring a knife to the gun to a gunfight, and uh, he can't beat me once I hit him. And that just changed the whole fight. I was like, really, you think that? And I was just like, look, man, one or two things gonna happen. Either I'm gonna win this fight, or y'all gonna take me out on a stretcher. One or the other, because that was just very disrespectful to me. And it was just like when I went out there when the bell rang. It was, I just had it in my mind. Look, I'm just going to brawl with this guy. But I knew I had the better hand speed, and I knew I had the better boxing skills. So I was able to turn him at times. I was able to hit him. I was able to sit in front of him and punch him because he was just a puncher. He was too slow, so I had to get around him. But you can trust and believe some of them shots he hit me with was like, I'm sitting there like, well, damn, why am I fighting this kid? Exactly. Why am I fighting him? I shouldn't be fighting him. This kid is like a fucking mill. But, you know, it happens. You get hit, and it changes the whole story. I think um, I think that uh, Triple G is going gonna, is gonna to hit uh, Canelo with something perfectly good. But I don't think he's going to change his whole game plan. I just think, I could be wrong, I just think that Canelo is going to box Triple G. He's going to beat him up, and he's going to win the fight. Like, that's what I always done. I know I wasn't a knockout puncher. So I didn't never go in there like, man, I'm going to knock this dude out. My whole game plan was every time I force him, I'm just going in there and beat him up. That's just what I was. I was going to hit them more than they hit me. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, I did. I hit a lot of guys more than they hit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roberto, what you think about the fight? Well, you know, th- this is this is a fight that we we constantly talk about amongst the crew. And, and even like some of my friends that are kind of like in that the casual department you know and it, it's it's uh but why does this I mean, fight have so much of magnitude to it what makes this fight really honestly guys y'all too i mean y'all both hands at the same time or one at the time what makes this fight so good what makes this fight better than i don't know maybe because it's a new millennium but what makes this fight better than a the Joe Frazier Muhammad Ali fight. What makes this fight better than the Leonard Hearns fight? What makes this fight better than the Hagler Leonard fight? What makes this better this fight better than Tommy Hearns Marvin Hagler? What makes this fight better than Michael Nunn and uh Ari, Ari. I mean, mm-hmm. what doesn't? What makes this fight better? No, nothing. I mean this fight is actually beneath all those fights. I mean, because you're talking about two guys that are not even as skilled as Man. none of them guys you just mentioned. Like Mike like, people forget right. about Michael Nunn. I mean, the first thing people think about Michael Nunn is how he got caught with all that coke. Mike Nunn was a gun. He knocked out Sambu Calabay in, like, two rounds. He, you know, it no, that's crazy I, Because, you know what, <laughs> that's crazy you said that. Because, you know what, honestly, I never thought of Michael Nunn as being a a, a great fighter. But then again, you like you said, I got to give him respect because look at the people he fought knocked out. He be, he be Frank Tate. Man, man, Frank Tate, everybody was skipping Frank Tate. He was Olympian. Yep. He knocked out Frank Tate, had me crying. Yep. Exactly. Man, he, right. I mean, I, I think I think for Canelo, man, I mean, I mean, I think in, in the sense of him winning, I mean, th- that obviously launches him be- because of the fact that this is like the next big elite fight since the Floyd fight. I mean, people, I guess, would consider the Cotto one, but... Not like this, because Triple right, G... So Canelo, let's just say Canelo win. Where do we see him now? What do you fight? What they fight at? 65? I mean, 60, no, they 60. fight at 
60. So if Canelo wins, let's just say Canelo wins, where do we see him now? Where can we put him? And I understand that. Why do everybody want to put everybody in pound for pound? I thought pound for pound was, ah, I don't even know no more. Let me shut up. I don't even know. But if Canelo wins, where do we put him? I mean, I I haven't even thought of like pound for pound. I mean, because I ain't even thinking about pound for pound. I'm just thinking about yeah. he wins. So you mean to tell me he beat Canelo? I mean, he beat uh, Triple G. So that means he can command the Floyd Mayweather money. So okay, where does he go? We already know Floyd not gonna come back and fight him. Oh well, we know. Well, see, that's where it gets it gets interesting because then the whole the whole Charlo thing becomes an issue because if he's at middleweight. And then let's just say for argument's sake, he fights a David Lemieux, meaning Canelo. Like he fights a David Lemieux or one of those guys. Eventually, the Charlo fight is going to have to be made. But I think at that point, Canelo's kind of like the money guy, per se. You know, so that, that always becomes an issue. But it's... I mean, I think for, for Triple G, though, here's the funny part, man. I think even... Triple G winning and beating Canelo, I don't think Triple G becomes, like, that star either. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I don't see how I, – I don't see him becoming, like, this big pay-per-view star. Like, I think it'll be, like, a big event. But if he beats Canelo, like, I think it's just – where I see – I don't know. I think there's more of um, – like, what, what, what's what's the term – um you, you, you know, like like Canelo, with Canelo being obviously younger, and you know if he gets a win over Golovkin now, you know he's still what like twenty seven. He, he's still got like what another four or five years in, in, in some fights that they can make. But that's a, that's a crazy thing with boxing because like in the next like three four years, I mean who knows who and where are going to be in what division? You know because like for all we know. Errol can be <laughs> up at middleweight by you know in the next like few years. I mean it's 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 uh yeah, it's interesting, man. Like, I mean I don't know. Carries the torch from here. He'd be the Canelo would be, I guess, you know, in this like last few eras where I guess you know where where when we talk about Floyd being like the money guy, the heir apparent as far as pay per views and things as such would be Canelo because like when you look at everybody else nobody's at that level. But, I mean, when you look at it from a competitive point of view or, you know, we start talking pound for pound, like, that's like a whole other world too because we're just coming off, what, what was this fight? The, the Ward Kovala 2 fight, right? And arguably, that could have been number one, number two, depending how you rate the pound for pound. But then on the commercial side, it really didn't do any business. So that's like... Oh. The, the weird side of boxing, man. <laughs> that's that's, that's so crazy, man. I, I, you know, I try not to even get into the the pound for pound. I just try to keep up with what I can keep up with and, and take it from there. Cause it's just too much. It's too crazy. It's too yeah. much politics. Uh, it's too much money. Um, it's too watered down at times. Um, you know, and the fans are hard. No matter, yep. no matter shape. Form or size, fans are definitely hard. I think you know I like the did, fans when I was coming up than the fans nowadays. You know what's funny, champ? Real fans, I'll tell you two things. And I thought, and I'm gonna get on. I have to grind them up because we have a grinding session about, um, you know, pause, you know, pause on that. But we have like a little session where we grind people up. And 
one of the people I had grown up just based off what he said was Broner. Broner had the nerve to say that Mikey ran the whole fight over the weekend. And I'm just sitting here like, when? When did he run away? And I think that people, the fans nowadays, similar to what you said about throwing a jab, similar to what you said about throwing, you know, giving people angles, they want people to sit in a pocket with people and just fight. Whereas, like when you said, my whole thing with Gotti was touch him, turn him, touch him, turn him, touch him, turn him. What do you think about people that say, oh, this fighter ran? I never understood that when you have boundaries in the boxing ring. Like, Chavez never complained about people running. He just cut off the ring. Like, what do you think Beat about the hell out of him. I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what you call running, you know. And that's another thing too, because um, like I said, I'm strictly a boxer. I'm not a runner. I'm a boxer. I'm a guy that can hit you, stand in front of you, make you miss, get around you, hit you again, and then I can also be on the outside, hit you and move. The what they call they call that running. I thought the sweet size of boxing was to hit and not be hit. So bingo. I mean, where we at? I I don't know. I don't understand. You know, I I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I just I just as they say the, the going is now day and the saying is I fit in where I can get in at. <laughs> That's all I do. I just fit in where I can get in at. And my second question is, I know because Roberto, I'm gonna hand it over to Roberto. My second question is, you know, one of the biggest things we talk about is who do you think would win, Rigandow or uh, Lomachenko? Man, that's a, that's that then that's a great great question because they both are great fighters, uh, both Olympians. They both don't like to get hit, and they both um, do a lot of turning. I, I I couldn't tell you. I couldn't say because out out of out of the fights that I've seen, I can't even tell which one of them ever got hit clearly. So I would guess I would have to say whoever gets hit clearly, then I guess then that's what we, that's the way we would go. I mean, I don't mean a glance blow. I mean clearly. I mean hit with hit hit with the shot, not a glance where you you throwing a shot and he pulling away from it. I mean, no, exactly get hit like you get hit with a brick. That joint hits you right in your face. Bow, split your wig. Then then I can tell. But man, that's gonna be. A, you know what? That's such a great fight. You know what? It's boring. I wouldn't even pay for it. Because I'd be sitting there wow. like, all right, well, he can ready to turn. No, he can ready to turn. I can see a jab coming. He slipped that turn. No, I'd be sitting there wrecking myself to death. <laughs> You're not the first person I heard say that. I, somebody else told me that, too. Like, it, 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 it makes... I mean, if you think about it, man, like you got two scientists there, man. <laughs> like just, just it, it, it's crazy. the ultimate chess match. That is crazy. I mean, I yeah, I couldn't call that. And if anybody can call it better than me or y'all, then let them. I'm, I'm willing to listen. To I'm willing to listen. I'm willing for them to give me the strategy on how they see this fight being won. I can see the judges walking away from the table like, man, look, we'll let the audience score the fight. We're going to take the day off. <laughs> I'm That's serious, man. Game. And they, I mean, the thing about it, they're not young cats, neither. they old heads. And they're doing right. things that the young bucks should be doing. I think the young bucks need to sit down yeah. and take notes. 
Well, funny enough, uh, Lomachenko does fight this weekend on ESPN uh, Saturday ESPN? night. ESPN? Yeah, because you know wow. he's a part of this, uh, you know, top rank. Basically, in a nutshell, took all his fighters from HBO over to ESPN, and they made this deal now with ESPN that you know they're gonna have, uh, you know, to, you know, Saturday it's gonna be uh, Lomachenko against Miguel Mariaga, who fought um, this cat uh, Nicholas Walters. Uh, he fought Oscar Valdez. Uh, you know, they were trying to get the fight with uh, Orlando Salido, the rematch, you know, the, his, you know, his, you know his, his only L. You know what, and, that's you know, the that's, fight that I don't even want to see. Yeah, he, yeah, we've kind of been on the same boat. But uh, the interesting thing with him, man, is, and it's funny, you know, we were talking about Mikey Garcia earlier. I mean, I think naturally, man, like that's a fight that a lot of us would really want to see. I mean, even when we talk about rigging down, like that's because that's kind of like, in, in a way, like Lomachenko being a little Mickey bigger. Garcia. I love Mickey Garcia. What you talking to him about him fighting Lomachenko? Garcia and Lomachenko, yeah. I wonder if he were to move up. And how do you see that fight coming off? Come on I mean, <laughs> come on now. I see. I, 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 I know you're a good I, fight I, fan. I, like, I know you've been around it. Be honest. Like, like, how I, do you see that fight coming? I like Lomachenko in that fight, man. Uh, I, 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 now, Mickey it, Garcia, my man. I love him to death. But one thing, unless, now don't get me wrong, his brother is a great trainer. I think his brother probably one of the greatest trainers now. You know what I'm yeah. I think he above uh, uh, Freddie Roach, uh, Derek James. He just, He's just my top one right now. And there's a bunch of them, but he's my top one. Um, and I love Mickey Garcia. I love Mickey Garcia to death. He's a good dude, great fighter. But I don't see him landing shots on yeah. Lomachenko that he would lay on anybody else because you know why? Um, Lomachenko would give Mickey Garcia too many problems with his turning. Plus, uh, one thing about Mickey Garcia, even though Brona did do it a lot, well, he didn't do it a lot, but he did enough. Me, uh, Adrian Broner did move a lot, but uh, Lomachenko would give Mickey Garcia a problem because he gives too many angles. One thing about Mickey Garcia, you have to be still. You have to be a goddamn statue for Mickey uh-huh. Garcia to hit you. And Lomachenko ain't going to be no damn statue. That's just out of the question. Uh-huh. I don't care if that's his worst day. That joke is going to still move. It's funny you say that because the one thing about Lomachenko that people get confused about is they just look at his record. And I'm like, no, look at his amateur record. He fought 300 fights and barely lost. And on top of that, when you look at – I remember Kevin Hart, you know, another Philly guy. He gave that little skit about, like, how his dad or his uncle was at a picnic and it was like, you know, 50 people hit him. and It was like it felt like an octopus. And he said, who hit me? He didn't know we hit him. And I said, that's just how that Mikey Garcia fight won't go. One more chicken. And that's how me and Gaddy fight went. Gaddy didn't know what the hell was hitting me. He just knew I was there. He didn't know what was hitting me. Didn't. He didn't know. I was hitting him with so much shit, and he wasn't there. I wasn't there. He was like, it was like Houdini. I'm there, and now I'm not. Now, here's a quick question. When you fought Emmanuel Augustus, how did that fight go? Because he's awkward, oh too. Oh, my he... God. I hated Emmanuel Augustus. 
hit that joker with so many goddamn shots, and he just looked at me and laughed. I wanted to kick him at one time. MMA wasn't even out there. I think if I had kicked him, I would have put MMA. I should have. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. In the social media age, I would have been, like, all over the place, man. Sure you so. <laughs> Yeah, that's so crazy, give me, uh, crazy. I'm gonna, I mean, I don't know how much time I got, but I'm going to ask you a question. Give me your synopsis, your uh, analysts on these heavyweights. What you think about them? Well, you know, when we started, when I started the show, I was saying that, uh, you know, there's been this talk about Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz fighting, you know, but Stavern's kind of getting in the way right now because he's the mandatory but, I mean, I don't know if I want to see Anthony Joshua and Klitschko again, to be honest. But, to me, I'd, I'd lo- in November, I'd love to see Wilder and Ortiz. And, and, and you know, if, if that's like a pre-fight before an inevitable like, fight with Wilder and Joshua. Because that, that, that would be the toughest fight in, in, in Wilder's career. By far, that's why, and I think that, that's why it's not think, gonna happen. And I think well, that nice. the heavyweight division is just utter trash right now. I think that when you compare it to what we grew up to, like I told well, my, yeah. my dad, my dad told me today. He said Tom Pinkland Thomas would be a champion right now. He would be a unified champion right now because the fact that he could just jab, move, he was he was good. Like you imagine. Those guys now fighting in that '90s era, they get dog. In that '80s era, man, Greg Page yeah, would be Greg Page would be all these guys. Seriously, Mike Weaver would probably be half of these guys. Like these, like the journeymen back then would beat the champions today. They just had more dog and they had better boxing skills. I'm sorry, and that's just man. I'm gonna tell you this: you're gonna laugh. Dwight, as small as Dwight Quawee was, Dwight Quawee could probably move up and be. And be half the people that have reached the division. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Nah, you're right. This division Definitely is trash, right. man. It's, no, it's nothing but a bunch of weightlifters and old football players. <laughs> and these guys thinking they can make money. Yeah, Tommy Morrison would have done great, too. That's oh, what y'all. Doing. It's funny you made. I was just about to say him, like, because he. He done knocked out a lot of jokers with his. He would knocked out a lot of jokers with his Sylvester Stallone hook. <laughs> <laughs> y'all funny. That's crazy, man. You grinding him up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't grinding him up. I'm just saying. He, I mean, he was a blown up heavyweight. White guy that can make money, and yeah. the uh, promoters used him, and he, you know, he made some good money. I mean, he was in position. He made some good fights. He had some good fights, but my man Ray Mercer murdered. Uh, him. Oh my goodness! He murdered. Him. <laughs> Yo, the referee should have been barred from boxing. Period. I never get my dad. With my dad was so pissed when he beat George Foreman. When Ray Mercer beat him, he was jumping up for joy. He almost, he almost lost his crap. Cause my dad went down to Atlantic City to watch on closed circuit, watch George Foreman, because they love George. 
And when he got robbed, he said, man, this guy can't fight, man. He said, wait till somebody, Ray Merciless, Ray Mercer got in there. And, you know, Ray Mercer was old. People forgot about that. Ray I Mercer, was, Ray Mercer was in the Olympics at, what, 30? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Ray Mercer, he was a gun, man. He, he killed Tommy Morrison that night, man. Yes, Good grief. Yes, he did. Took 20 yep. years off his life. Yeah. You know who I really thought could have, what's, what's this guy's name? We all talking about Roberto. I really thought that he was around your time, champ. i never forget. Um, uh, what, what was his name? Um, The one that got caught uh, with the child molesting. Um, he, he knocked out Chris Bird. Oh, you talking about Ike, Ike Iabuchi? Oh, my. Oh, my. Goodness. Imagine, oh. If, he was, imagine if he still was fighting, man. He was a beast. Yes, he was. He got dizzy get out? Hey, yeah, he just got out talking about fighting again. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> you still got that part in his head? Yeah, that I know of, yep. <laughs> he had that Gary Coleman part in his head. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Gary Coleman. Well, Chip, where do you so I know we got it. I know Roberto is going. He going. You know, sign us off. But tell us a little bit about where you. You didn't tell us. This, so tell the fans like where you're training your fighters out of. Like what else you got yeah. you're involved in today, and you know things of that caliber. Like you know well, where you training. Um, I know you on Facebook and all that Instagram. Um, I do a boxing uh, uh, event every summer, every year, the first week of August. So my show is getting ready to come up. Um, I just hooked up with Councilman Curtis Jones out of Philadelphia, and I'm doing a, a big boxing uh, show with him on August the 19th. So my first show is August the 12th. My second show with Curtis Jones, he's bringing Eve, Special Ed, Dana Dane, Mona Love. Wow. Yeah, he's bringing all of them in. So it's going to be a fabulous night. And then plus we got the boxing to kick it off before all the uh, entertainers go on. Um, uh, right now, um, I'm training at a gym that my man has. It's called Ridiculous Fit. It's in Frankfurt Avenue. Of course, I know y'all guys know about the area, but everybody don't. It's in the uh, <laughs> section up in uh, Frankfurt. Um, and it's doing well. Um, you know, I got a, a couple good fighters. I got a kid named Joshua uh, Bowles that'll be fighting September the 8th in Harrisburg. Um, and uh, your boy, um, me, myself, Mighty, threw his uh, manager's hat on. Um, I got a kid named uh, what's it, Javier Oquendo. He's making his, his debut on that same car, September the 8th in Harrisburg. Uh, he's making his debut. Joshua Bowles will be fighting the main event. He's a 122-pounder. He's a 9-2. Uh I, I'm working with, uh, as you guys from Philly, y'all know, gentleman by the name, his dad, his name Tyrone Crawley, Butterfly Crawley, used to be lightweight champ of the world. Well, what about Butterfly son, Crawley? Yes. Yeah, his son boxing now. He's seven and oh, okay. he's, he, He'll be fighting in September, so I'll be working with him. Uh, and by chance, I know you guys know this too, uh, remember Terrence Carlson, the 96th bronze medalist? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's fighting Friday in Atlantic City, and I'm working this corner there. So, you know, um, I'm staying busy in the fight game. I'm around the fight game. Plus, I just um, 
but I got about another two weeks. No, yeah, about another two weeks, and then uh, I do a boxing camp every year. Uh, my camp will be uh, ending August eighteenth, uh, and it's called uh, naming the company of my company. It's called it's the Mighty Thing. Um, so you know, I'm trying to swindle my way in. I ain't trying to run with the Bob Aaron's or nothing like that. I'm just basically trying to uh, stay local, hopefully get worldwide, you know, help some of these kids out here that really want to uh, become boxers and hopefully uh, teach them the, the, the sport of boxing, man. Don't, you know, water them down like you get drinks when you go out and drink, you know, because um, boxing isn't dead. Boxing is still a great thing. You definitely can make money. But on top of that, my, my slogan is, um, in order to be a boxer, you have to finish school. You got to learn how to read. got to learn how to count. got to learn how to do math. got to know about the world. got to know what's going on in the world. got to know what's going on in your neighborhood, you know. So um, those are the things that I, you know, I try to teach the youngsters. Those are the things that I'm into, you know. I like the fact that, you know, you guys follow me as much as y'all can. We talk as much as we can. I also want to thank you guys for having me on your show. I just wish I could fight again. And man, go out here and show some of these kids how to fight. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm loving it, though. you probably be champion, man. Let's, let's get you in the gym. Roberto and I can promote man, you and we'll make it. I'm about to chop y'all heads off, man. I got guys in the gym now, man. What? <laughs> chop y'all guys' heads I know, excuse my expression, but I know how to sit my old ass down. <laughs> I know how to sit down, baby boy. Make sure, make sure you give us some, make sure you give us some flyers, um, okay? So we can so we can advertise on our um on our Instagram and Roberto doing our Facebook for anything that you're doing up and coming. We can give it okay. some traffic. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate that. You know, anything y'all need from me, y'all let me know, and um, Champ will reach out. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, we we appreciate you coming on the show, man. It, it was good chopping up, you know. Definitely, thanks yeah, for having me, man. Get your feedback and and, uh, and things as such, man. So good luck with everything, man, and you know we'll we'll be in touch. Okay, definitely, y'all take care, man. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, peace. Peace. So that is our show, man. We uh, we thank Ivan Robinson for coming on, chopping it up. Uh, with all the current events and what he's got going on, so uh, Rod, you saw the line? I'm still here, brother. It was it was a good show. I, uh, you know, Champ and I are gonna have to talk about the uh, the medicine or the the herbal tea that he's drinking about this uh, Canelo thing because <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't get a chance to give my opinion, but I mean, um, it's kind of better because I kind of want to wait. You know, even though some some of you already know my opinion on it, but uh, you know, it, it, we that that's obviously still obviously still a month away, but uh, you know, we appreciate the champ coming on. Yeah, he's just a great guy, man. Like you know, you know, obviously, you know, very colored, you know, in terms of his personality, very colorful, very um, boisterous, but you know, very Philly at the same time, and it's crazy, you know. We need more people like him, man, that are willing to just get on, share their knowledge, mm-hmm. and, you know, here's a guy. When we talk about hip-hop, I'm starting to think that boxing is the same way, Roberto. I mean, you being 
around music so much, you know, Doc's being around. Right. I, I don't know what you think. Like, you know, do you think hip hop is almost like music? Like where you get, you know, like you, you get the rock. We, we like parallels. <laughs> yeah. We worship the rock Kims and, you know, and, and those guys. And then like, you get like these little whoever's coming out and you're like, what's this? And then I think it's the same thing as the boxers. Like we look at, you know, we look at somebody like, like Rigadon, like, wow. Or, or somebody like uh, Lomo, we like, wow, this is great. And then somebody like, I don't know, whoever, we're just like, what's this? And he's a champ. So I think that it's good to have, like, you know, the pioneers, such like a, as a Mighty Robinson, come on and kind of share with us, hey, right. this is what the game is missing, this is what it needs, and this is what I'm trying to do to make it better. Right, right. No, I agree. I mean, and he touched on a lot of points, too, that, like, we, we talk about a lot as far as it relates to the current state of, of the sport and, and the fighters approach and the manager, the manager's approach uh, to the sport itself, man. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, man, but we appreciate him coming on, the, <clears throat> coming on the line, man. But this weekend, Vasily Lomachenko, Miguel Mariaga, this Saturday, 10 PM Eastern standard time on ESPN, the whole top rank ESPN venture followed by, in a couple of weeks, Terrence Crawford, Julius Ndongo for the complete unified 140-pound titles. And like I mentioned before, the circus at the end of the month, Miguel Cotto is fighting <laughs> <his> belt. Um... <laughs> Making its rounds uh, to, to the end of the summer. And then, you know, everything is uh, – there's a lot of boxing in September, but, you know, the big one we're talking about in September, you know, like you were mentioning, uh, Canelo Triple G. So we got a lot of time to talk about that, man. But we are out, man. Follow us on Instagram at Gardner Boxing on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash GYG Boxing, as well as Twitter at GYG Boxing. So until next week, we are out of here, man. Peace.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.